series today, and it's entitled uh, The Son of Man. I want to talk to you about the Son of Man. And this is going to usher us into Easter Sunday, the celebration of the resurrected Christ. We're going to talk a little bit more about all of that. And today's message is entitled, Is He Human? Is He Human? Now, I, I want to I give you a little bit more of this. You're going to hear in this series, you're going to hear me say a lot um, that he's human. You're going to hear me say that because that's today's message. We're talking about that. And we're going to also talk about, you'll hear me say a lot, he understands. Because a lot of people don't believe that Jesus or God understands. And you're going to hear Jesus understands and, and how sympathetic he is toward us. You're going to hear that a number of times as well. And uh, so as we move toward the resurrection, this series that I'm dealing with, and we're going to be in this series for three weeks, this series that I'm dealing with is leading us toward all of that. And I want to give some accolades to uh, Robert Morris out of uh, uh, Texas as well as uh, Jim Simbola out of Brooklyn Tab, and uh, I'm pulling some information on that as well as Randy's own stuff. And again, who knows what Randy's going to say about Randy, but here we go. John chapter 10, verse 10. Let's begin right here. This is the words of Jesus. And he says, I have come that they may have life and that they may have life more abundantly is what he says. Now we're going to talk about Jesus for these next three weeks, just so you know. And if you're new to church, if you're new to God or new to the Bible, you're not even sure if you believe any of this stuff yet. If, you're, if that talks about you, I want to let you know that we're not going to try to ram something down your throat. And that you're going to have to believe exactly like you do, like we do, or you're out of here. We're not doing that. That's not how we do things around here. That's not what we do here at Word of Life. So I want you to understand that we want you to come into this place and hear something that just maybe, maybe could make a difference in some people's lives. Maybe something wonderful could happen to you. So these three messages are both for the believer and the unbeliever as, like, as well, so that when life gets hard for you, and it will get hard, I promise you that, that's what Jesus said is going to happen, life will get hard, so that when life gets hard for, for you, you're going to know that there really is a God. There really is a God, and He really does love you. He loves you unconditionally. Nothing you can do to make Him love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make Him love you any less. So at times I believe that what we need is that we need to grab a hold because he's going to get us through. Our God is going to get through, get us through these things that we're dealing with, whatever it may be. And at times we need to grab a hold of, of something of, of all of who God is. We need to understand all of what God would want to do for you and what God would want to do with you and what God would want to do to you. And we believe that Jesus, Jesus truly is the son of God. And we believe that Jesus came to communicate and to demonstrate what God is like. When you study Jesus, when we talk about Jesus, we are understanding who God is and what God is like. And quite honestly, there are just some things about God that you will never, you will never know in this life unless you're looking straight at Jesus as well. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that is our God, three in one. He is our God. And we at times, a lot of times, need to be focused in on Jesus as well. So I want to hit this series with a very practical approach, if you would, wouldn't mind. And there are going to be things in this series that you've never heard before, and there's going to be some things that will be confirmation for you because you have heard it as well before. So I want to, I want to say that I know that, that as I begin this message, we're talking about him being a human. I want to say that I know that Jesus is not a human now. I know that. Nobody has to tell me, do you know that Jesus is not a human now? I know that Jesus is not a human now. But Jesus was a human 
for about 33 and a half years. He really was a human. He was born, he was born as a normal baby. He grew up and became a toddler and he began to grow up and he became part of a family. And as Jesus was a part of the family, as he would get older, um, he would begin to do things like work. And we're gonna talk more about that in just a moment. So I want you to follow along with me. Um, I want you to go with me to Hebrews chapter two, beginning at verse 14. I'm gonna be using the New Living Translation. The New Living Bible Translation is what I'm gonna be using. So go with me to Hebrews chapter two, verse 14, and it says these words. Since we, God's children, are, are human beings, now listen to this. What I am doing with this, with this series right now, is letting you know the human side of Jesus the human side of the Son of God. And how much this relates to you is incredible. So let me begin it again. Since we, God's children, are human beings, that's what I am, that's what you are, made of flesh and blood, he became flesh and blood too by being born in human form. For only as a human could, uh, uh, only as a human being could he die and in dying would break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Now, Jesus had to be a human. He had to come into this world and to be a human um, among us. So Jesus was a human on earth. So how does that impact me now? What does this have to do with me right now? Go with me to chapter 17, and we'll go through verse 18 as well of the same chapter. And it was necessary for Jesus to be like us, his brothers, to be like you and I, his brothers, sisters, so that, so that he could be merciful and a faithful high priest before God. A priest who would, who would uh, be both merciful to us and faithful to God. This is important. He was doing what he's doing so that you and I would understand how, how uh, God is so merciful toward us, how God is looking to help us through. A priest who would be both uh, merciful and faithful to God in dealing with the sins of people. For since he himself has now been through suffering and temptation, listen, he knows what it is like when we suffer and are tempted and are tempted and he is wonderfully able to help us in all of that. So all of this has given us an introduction as to who Jesus really is. He is our everything. And we can even see when he was born, when he was born in that little manger, ended up in that little manger and would do life, which we're going to talk about today. It was all for a reason. <clears throat> Jesus suffered. The Bible tells us he suffered because he was a human. And I want you to notice because he has, he has suffered and was a human and he was also tempted, the Bible says. He was also tempted. He is able to aid us, the scriptures tell us, because he was tempted. He's able to help us. I don't know about you, but in fact, let me ask you a question. I'd like everybody to participate. How many of you have been tempted at least one time in your life? Would you raise your hand? Look at the liars over here. They're not even raising their hand over here. And over here as well, yeah. Okay, uh, that's good news. That's good news because, because our Lord Jesus, he was tempted. He really was. And and, and good news as well is that he is able to aid those who have been tempted according to the scriptures. Wouldn't that be amazing if you would have someone who would walk around with you, someone who would be with you like that when you're dealing with things. And I don't know about you, but I'll, I'll be man enough to tell you I get tempted a lot. There's a lot of things I'm tempted toward. And I don't want you to just be thinking it's about women or anything like that. I'm just saying life, sometimes my attitude, sometimes uh, my greed, wh whatever the things are. We all deal with that. And if you deal with the same things with me, make me feel better and say amen. amen. So go with me to Hebrews chapter four, verse 15. This is, 
This stuff is just incredible. Verses 15 and 16, Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to begin right there. And it states these words. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Let's stop. Who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. I want to stop here. It states that in the negative. (coughs) That we don't have one who can sympathize. We don't have one that can't sympathize with us. That means we do have one. We do have one that can sympathize. We have a high priest that can sympathize with us now because of what Jesus has done. Do you get it? If you get it, nod your head this way. If you don't get it, go like this. Uh, uh, Anyhow, anyhow. Um, Hebrews 15. Let me begin that at verse 15 again. Hebrews 4. And it says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are and yet without sin. He was tempted just like we are, but yet he was without sin, the scripture tells us. He was without sin. And again, we we go to verse 16, and it says this. It says, so let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need, to find grace to be able to find the help that we need when we're facing those kind of situations. And the reason why this can happen is is because we can go boldly. You can go boldly to the throne of grace is what the Bible says. So whatever it is, my friend, that you're dealing with, whatever the challenges and difficulties that you and I are dealing with, Jesus has been there. Jesus knows what you're going through. And he tells us that we can can come boldly to the throne because he is, Jesus is a merciful and a sympathetic high priest. He is, a, he is a merciful and a sympathetic high priest. And I want you to think about that just for a moment. Sympathetic. In other words, he understands what it is that we're going through because Jesus was human. He's sympathetic toward that. He knows that we face all kinds of temptations. He knows that we deal with all kinds of things on a regular basis. He understands that. He understands that. And, and for some, um, I, I would like to mention to you right now that, that uh, getting acquainted with Jesus would be extremely important since you now know that he is one who has gone through the same things we're going through. You can approach him. You can approach God and begin to, to speak to God. And it would be something like this. If all of a sudden you have a friend who shows up in church for the very first time, never been here before, they don't know a whole lot, they don't know anybody, they see a few hundred people sitting around and all of a sudden here you are and you just introduce yourself. It's like you walk up to this person and as you're talking with them, getting a little bit more acquainted, you maybe say something like this, you know, I just got through a belt of cancer. I've been dealing with a little bit of cancer in my life. And all of a sudden, your friend that you've just met, she herself says the same thing. She says, you know what? I also had cancer. I just went through cancer. And when something like that happens, immediately there is this bond that happens, this bond that takes place. This person can sympathize with you and you can sympathize with that person because of what it is that they're going through. What it is that they're dealing. And maybe you never thought about this, but, but you can do the same thing with Jesus. I want you to know that you can talk to Jesus anytime. I don't know if you do or not, but I do all the time. I don't know about you, but we, we need to be a people who believe in God, to know that he's with us, and he wants to get us through to the other side. And there, 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 there comes this bond. And you can say to Jesus anytime, you know what, Jesus, I was really tempted with this one. I was really tempted with this one. Jesus, what do I do with that? And all of a sudden, you're going to begin to sense something. All of a sudden, you're going to begin to hear something. 
And God may whisper something like this to you, maybe not audibly, but all of a sudden you're going to have a, a peace that comes over you and Jesus would say, I dealt with that too. I dealt with that very same thing. And you may think that to be a little bit weird, but the Bible declares that he was at all points just like us, tempted to do that. But he didn't. He didn't sin. He didn't sin at all. And I don't know about you, but I think that's a good news. Give me amen. I love what Robert Moore says here. I want to quote what he had said. He says, you've got to get this, is what he says. The reason, the reason that it is wonderful that Jesus was a human is because he is sitting now on a throne of grace. Jesus is sitting now on a throne of grace. And the reason it is a throne of grace is because the one sitting on it has been a human being. And in dealing as the God of heaven who is on the throne of grace, he knows and understands what we're going through. And he's not mad at you. He's not pointing at you and saying, yeah, I know what you did and you did and you did. He's not doing that. That's not what our God does. Listen, I'm sure that the devil has convinced each and every one of us at one time or another, and maybe right now today, some are worse than others, but I'm sure the enemy has come to you and begin to whisper to you about how bad you really are. All the mistakes that you made, the things that you've done wrong. And I want to let you know that Jesus, the son of God, said to the devil, you're a liar. You're the father of lies is what he says. In fact, of the matter is, is that there's no truth in him at all is what Jesus says. And what you're doing, my friend, if you're believing those whispers that how bad you really are, how hopeless you really are, you're, you're listening to the tempter. You're listening to, to the lies of the enemy yourself. And I guess the devil would even begin to tell you things like this, especially if you're fairly new to God. You're not sure yet if there is a God, but they would probably say, the enemy would probably say something like this. You know what? You shouldn't even be in a church like this because these people are just so holy. <laughs> Sometimes the devil's funny. We're not that holy, man. I want you to know that. We don't walk around with apparel on to make ourselves look holy. We serve a good God. Come on, give me an amen, somebody. And that's what Jesus says. But listen, but Jesus says, I understand that temptation. I understand what you have gone through. I've been there, Jesus says, and I've done that. I've dealt with those things myself, and that is nothing but great news to me. So because he was a human, I want to take three, three huge areas of, of lives, life right now, and I want to show you how Jesus understands and he can relate to all of us who are facing some of these things right now. So let me go to the first one. The first one's going to be the longest one, which is only going to be about an hour, but it will go by quickly. And I say an hour because I'm on drugs, and so we don't know what's going to happen today. I'm kidding. It's not going to be that long. Jesus understands relationships. Number one, Jesus understands relationships. Matthew chapter 6, verse 3. Go with me there, please. And it says these words, New King James Version. Is this not the, car the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James and Joseph and uh, Judas and Simon? Are not these his sisters here with us? Uh, so they were offended at him. They were offended at him. Well, a couple of things of interest that maybe you didn't know and maybe you can know now, but Jesus had four brothers and at least two sisters. At least four brothers and at least two sisters. We hear the names of the four brothers. Their names are, are James, Joseph, uh, Judas, and Simon. We know that. And we also know that there are at least two sisters, but we, there could be more. We, we don't know. The Bible isn't clear enough on that particular thing. And I don't know about you, but I think it's good that we would know that Jesus had brothers and sisters because now you may understand a little bit more why Jesus was okay with them duct taping each other to the bed. 
in the middle of the night. You know, he understood that. He understands that kind of thing. And of course, everybody knows, everybody knows that because Jesus was in the family, this was nothing but a perfect family. This was nothing but a perfect little leave it to beaver kind of house. You know, what it was that they are living in. Everybody got along. Everybody were little angels. Yeah, even the little ones, even the little ones. They were little angels. And oh, you don't think, you don't think that they fought and got mad with one another? Well, let me tell you, the reality of life is what Jesus was dealing with. It wasn't fake. It wasn't like fake. It was a reality. And, uh, and, and yes, they were, there were issues and situations. You don't think that they ever got jealous and envious with one another? Of course they did, even though Jesus lived in the family. But one of the things I do wonder is how many times did mother say to the kids, why can't you be more like Jesus? I mean, I'm assuming that that would get them a little upset after about the 27th time that mom has said that to that one person. I wonder if, if Jesus ever played any pranks on his brothers and sisters. I, I don't know if he did or not. We don't know, but he's human. The Bible tells us he's human. I don't know what you've done with your brothers and sisters and neighbors and friends and cousins, whoever they may be in your life, but, but I'm sure that Jesus must have done something. So how about maybe, just maybe, the, the fact that Jesus would go to a public park and there at the public park, of course, is the swimming pool. And Jesus is just walking out and he's standing on the water. He's just standing there. And his brothers are coming. He goes, come on, come on, you can do this too, come on. And all of a sudden they start running. And as they do, they fall flat on their face. They're in the water. And Jesus is going, ha, 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 ha. Now, I don't know if he did that or not. But it would be okay to think like that. There's nothing wrong with that. There was nothing wrong with what Jesus did. Jesus would do things that maybe we would never imagine that he would do. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus was a human. It's clear. Jesus was a human. Jesus understands what it's like to be single. So if you're single today, Jesus knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what you're going through. There may be some who are here today thinking, well, at least Jesus doesn't know what it's like to be married. <laughs> oh, really? You want to go there for a minute? You don't think Jesus knows what it's like to be married? Are you telling me that Jesus doesn't have a wife? Are you telling me that? Are you telling me that Jesus doesn't have a wife? Are you telling me that, that, uh, that you haven't read the multiple, multiple references about Jesus and the bride of Christ? Are you, you, you don't know that stuff? In fact, in, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 9, the angel said, the angel said, I will show you the lamb's wife. I will show you the lamb's wife. So are you thinking that Jesus doesn't know what it's like to be married? I'm going to go one step further with you today, my friend. Jesus knows what it's like for his spouse to be unfaithful. Jesus knows what it's like for his spouse to be unfaithful. He knows what it's like. He experiences this daily still. I'm guilty. You're guilty of being unfaithful to God. Some would say, well, I suppose he certainly doesn't understand children. He didn't have any kids, did he? He didn't have any kids, did he? Are you serious? Is that really your thought? I think that there are right now, I don't know the exact number, but over 7 billion of his children still live on this planet right now. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Either give me an amen or oh my. Of course he knows what it's like. He knows what it's like to have children. He really does. Jesus is God and Jesus doesn't know what, uh, what it's like to have children. You, you got to be crazy to think those words. 
Hey, Jesus knows what it's like to, to, uh, like, what it's like to have a disobedient child, too. Yeah, it was, it's him over there, isn't it? He's the one the pastor's talking about right now. Is this guy over here? I'm just kidding. I mean over here. There's nothing that you can't talk to Jesus about. So why not? Why not start talking to Jesus now? Why not talk to him about things he understands? He understands what you're going through. He understands what it's like in a family. There's nothing that you can't talk to him about. So why not start today? Jesus understands what it's like to have a family. Go with me to Mark chapter 3. This is one of my favorite verses. This is incredible. I know people are going to get this wrong. They're going to misunderstand with what I'm going to say. I'll explain it the best as I can. It says in in Mark chapter 3 verse 31. It says, then his brothers and his mother came, and standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. And a multitude was sitting around him, and they, they said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered to them, saying, who is my mother? Who is my mother or my brothers? And, and he looked around in the circle and at those that sat around him, about him, and said, here is my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he says, is my brother and my sister and my, and my mother is what, is what Jesus says. This is who they are to me. This is my mother and this is my brother and this is my sisters. And of course, I have stepped away from my notes and I got lost. It says here in Mark chapter 3, verse 31, that they, they came to Jesus and telling him, they were telling him that your family's out there. Now, it doesn't say this exactly in the scriptures, but it's saying this in the scriptures. And that is, he said, who's that? Your, your family, your, your brothers, your sister, your mother, they're here. And Jesus sort of responds back with something like this, that's not my family. No, 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 I like all you people. I, I, I like all of you people. That's my family. It's not, it's not them. That's, that's not my family. Now, have you ever felt like that about your family? Have you ever felt that, that kind of thing when you think about your parents? All of a sudden, your mother and father shows up in the middle of the afternoon, and that's the unannounced. That's the last thing you want. You, you know, who knows what was going on in the home, but now all of a sudden, mom and dad are there, and everything changes. So why did Jesus do this? Why did he sort of deny the fact why, why didn't he just go out and greet his family? Well, one of the reasons why, I'm going to read it to you in just a moment. One of the things that they say was, he's out of his mind. And they wanted to seize him. They wanted to go grab him and seize him. So let me read it to you. In uh, Mark chapter 3, the same chapter, but verse 31. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him. For they were saying that he's out of his mind. They're saying he's out of his mind. And this wasn't the first time he heard this. This particular situation that we're reading right now, this wasn't the only time he heard grumblings from family, maybe even mom herself, I don't know, it doesn't say. But the family was, was talking bad about Jesus. His family is saying, Jesus, he's crazy, man. <laughs> he's, he used to be a really good carpenter, but now he is a bit crazy. In fact, what he talks about now are demons. He talks about demons, and and he even thinks he's the Messiah. Do you believe this? And so what's going on in the mind of Jesus with all of this is, um, and I think personally it's a little bit fun. 
I think it's great that the family comes up and it's like there's going to be this big shindig because the family showed up. But really, Jesus sort of set that aside. It didn't mean that he didn't love his family. It didn't mean that he didn't reach out to them. I believe all of them were following Christ and all that other stuff. But at this particular time is when this situation is taking place. And I believe, I believe that God wants you and I to be able to have such a relationship with Christ that we can, we can understand not only his humanity, but even how that would impact the rest of us. He understands all family relationships. He understands them. He understands friend relationships. Just a couple of weeks back, we, we talked about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus and, and how close of a friend he is to Jesus. And of course, you know the story. Just did it a couple of weeks back, and Lazarus dies. And then Jesus shows up after he dies. He shows up late. He shows up late. And Mary and Martha say the exact same thing to Jesus in this particular scripture that we're, we're dealing with with this story. They say the same thing. And a lot of us think something like this. It would be something like this. Oh, Lord, if you'd have been here, Lazarus would have never died. I think, Lord, where were you? Where did you go? How come you didn't come and heal my brother? That's the reality. That's how the real family deals with things as far as I'm concerned. And that's what, what Jesus was understanding. He understands that. Jesus knows what it's like when, you, when your friends desert you and you need, when you need them the most. He understands that. He went through that. You know the stories of that more than likely within the Bible. Jesus understands what it's like to be betrayed by a close friend. There's nothing, going, there's nothing going on in your life right now that you can't talk to him about, that you can't talk to him about. He is merciful and sympathetic, and he is a high priest, and he understands relationship. Point number two, Jesus understands work. He understands work. He was a carpenter. We know that. It's scriptural. We know that the Bible makes it very clear. Jesus is in, is, is in the marketplace a lot longer than he was in full-time ministry. He was only about three and a half years in public ministry. And so he probably started working when he was somewhere around 12 years old, working with his dad. And, uh, and, uh, and it was part of his tradition. I'm, I'm absolutely sure of that. So um, what I can't stand, one of, the, one of the things that really bugged me a lot is the pictures that you see with Jesus. Now, I don't know what you think about this, but Jesus is a carpenter. He's not, he's not uh, you know, he's, he's a carpenter. And, uh, and the pictures that you and I see about Jesus, he's, he is, is always, you know, with a white robe. He has long hair. I personally want to know, why did he have long hair? What, do, do, does that give somebody with no hair, you know, a complex? Yeah, it does. <laughs> I have some issues. But anyhow, um, I, I want to see pictures of Jesus the way he really was. The way that he, in my opinion, the way he really was. <coughs> in other words, because he was a carpenter, I believe that Jesus walked around with a, a t-shirt, with jeans, with boots, a tool belt, and I believe that he even walked around with his head on backwards <laughs> while he's doing whatever it is that he's doing. I think that this is the real Jesus. Not this, not me, but how Jesus was. He was a real person. He was who he really was. Jesus was a worker. When he showed up for work, he would work. Jesus is a carpenter, and he was a laborer. He was building things continuously. Listen, Jesus did not have a nail gun or a power saw. Can you imagine? He never had a nail gun or a power, or a power saw. So when Jesus drove a nail, he drove the nail, if you know what I'm saying, if you get it. He's probably a, he, he probably had a pretty good set of uh, pretty big biceps, like Pastor has. And I'm not talking about Jeremiah, just in case you're wondering. And I don't think I have that big of ones either. But I'm sure that Jesus had some pretty big biceps. Jesus had calluses. Did you ever think of that? 
Jesus had calluses and, uh, and he would have blisters as well. Jesus also knew what it was like to, to, uh, to own his own business. He was a carpenter by trade and in business for himself. And here's one for you. Jesus knows what it's like to work for someone who would lie and cheat. He knows what it's like. He also knows, this is maybe a little bit better, Jesus also knows what it's like to do business with a Christian, to do business with a, a believer, to, do, uh, to, be, uh, to be working with uh, those who are far, uh, excuse me, who call themselves church people and how they lie and how they cheat. It's amazing what Jesus probably dealt with that we never even thought of before, which takes me to point number three. Point number three is, is that Jesus understands pain. Jesus understands pain. Jesus dealt with pain. Two areas of pain that he dealt with was emotional pain and he dealt with physical pain. And we've all dealt with emotional pain. We've all dealt with physical pain, I'm sure, in one way or another. Isaiah 53, they talk about each of those two different things. Isaiah 53, verses, verse 3, dealing with the emotional pain. And it says this, he is despised and rejected by men. Despised. Despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. And he was despised, despised, and we did not esteem him. Jump down to two verses, verse five. And it says the physical pain, dealing with the physical pain. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes were healed. We see the physical pain that Jesus went through. Jesus experienced emotional pain. He experienced physical pain. Let me, give you, let me give you a little bit about the despised and rejected. Let me talk to you just for a moment as I close, begin to close. Jesus was despised. Despi I, 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 I don't think, I don't know for sure, but I don't think I've ever been despised. I've, I've never had to deal with that. That I know, that I know. And, um, but Jesus was. He was despised, he was rejected, and he was mocked because of his vocation, number one. He was mocked because of his birth, number two. He was illegitimate. Jesus was mocked because of his race. The sign that they put over him on the cross um, was a derogatory remark, and the remark was the king of the Jews, mocking him. Jesus understands what it's like to be mocked and ridiculed. Jesus was mocked while he was on the cross. In fact, he was mocked on, while he was on the cross right up to the last few minutes of his life. They were mocking him. They were mocking Jesus. If you're the son of God, come down from that cross, is what they said. And I close off with pain. Jesus dealt with pain. And I don't want to go deep on this one today. But what some of us might not know that Jesus was beaten three different times by three different garrison guards. He was beaten by the Jewish guards, he was beaten by, the, by Herod's guards, and he was beaten by Pilate's guards. He was beaten. The Bible tells us that these men would hit, them, hit him in the face and wherever they wanted with their fist. They would just hit him and hit him and hit him. He was despised and he was hated. The Bible tells us that they literally plucked the beard out of his face. Gentlemen, gentlemen, can you imagine the pain? Can you imagine what it was that he dealt with? They put a crown of thorns on his head, on his brow. 
And then they pushed it down. They forced it down on his head. Hated and despised. They scourged him, the Bible tells us. Doesn't tell us exactly, but probably 39 times he was scourged. They nailed spikes into his hands and into his feet. They hung him on a cross until he, he would die. And what I have to tell you now, I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it because I don't want to mumble this off my lips, but I don't want to say it because I know it's going to impact you. But Jesus was tortured. Jesus was tortured to death. Our Lord Jesus was tortured to death. And you know what? He understands pain in a way that none of us in this room, none of us could say. So the obvious question that I'm asking as I close is, when are you going to talk to him about you? When are you going to talk to him about the issues that we're talking, speaking about Jesus being human today? Because Jesus understands and one more thing about emotional pain and Jesus being human. I want to just tell you very quickly that in Matthew and Mark's gospel, Matthew and Mark's gospel, what they say after Jesus is speaking, they turn to one another and say, they said, isn't this the son of Mary? Isn't this the son of Mary is what they say. But if you go to the gospel of John, while Jesus is speaking at another time, those who were near John heard John say, isn't this the son of Joseph? which is what they should have said, that this is the son of Joseph, but they, the first one was of Mary. Also, John's record leaves something that it's not in any of the other gospels, in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. And it says this, that when Jesus was on the cross, he looked down and John, John points out his mother. And then he turns and he looks towards John and in some way or another, he points out to, to, uh, to, um, to John, points out to him uh, his mother, Mary. And Jesus says to him, Jesus says to him that this is who you are. This is, behold your son and behold your mother, is what he says. Behold your mother <clears throat> and behold your son. And remember, Jesus is the firstborn of this family. And from that day, from that day, Mary went home to live with John. She wouldn't have gone to live with John if her husband, Joseph, was still alive. And just so you know, historical documents of that day record that Joseph died in the third year of the ministry of Jesus. That's what the records say, and we believe that. We happen to believe that, that Joseph, who was, who was um, Jesus' stepfather, he died in the third year of Jesus' ministry. Do you want to know how much Jesus understands and cares for you and I? Have you ever lost anyone? Have you ever lost one that you love with all of your heart and they die? Have you ever been through something like that? Jesus understands. He went through this himself. Jesus understands. And it's also amazing, do you realize that during his ministry years, not when he was a carpenter, but when he, when he was in ministry, he could have raised his father to life. 
He could have because he had done many before. And when Joseph died, he could have raised him from life, but he didn't. And there are a lot of theologians out there who believe this, and I happen to believe it as they have convinced me. I personally believe that he didn't raise his father from the dead because Jesus wanted to experience the death of a loved one. If he was going to be that high priest that he wanted to be, he had to go through that himself. Would you all please stand to your feet? Jesus, it's a little bit fun talking about you as a human, sort of trying to come to grips with what you were like and what you dealt with and, and how perfect it all was for who it is and who it was that you were to become. And Lord, in this room, I'm sure that there are those of us who are thinking a little bit more about what Jesus was like, even as a human. And, and I pray that God, you would just continue to bring revelation, bring revelation through your word, bring revelation through a personal one-on-one -on -one with them, God, as they're studying and as they're trying to understand the deeper things of God. And I pray that you would move. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm gonna ask you if you would, please, just keep your heads down, eyes closed. I'm gonna let you out of here in just a minute. But if you're here today and you've not yet received Christ, we're not asking you to join Word of Life Church. We're asking you to give your life over to Jesus. And that simply means is that you're going to begin to live for Him, that you're going to put your faith in Him. You're not going to be perfect. None of us are. But maybe, just maybe, today's the day when you would want to do that. So with heads bowed, eyes closed, please. I'm going to look to my left and then go to my right. But if you're here today, and I want to pray a prayer um, that maybe, just maybe, you would pray with me. Let me pray first. Say this with me if you're receiving Christ. Dear Lord Jesus, I give you my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Become the Lord and leader of my life today. In Jesus' name. Listen, that is just a simple prayer. You're calling out to God to forgive you of your sin. You're calling out to God to just cleanse you. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that was you today, if you're one of those who received Christ and prayed that prayer for me for the first time, would you just raise up your hand? I'm going over here to my far left looking over you. Thank you, dear. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Are there any others as I'm going over to this way? Thank you in the back. I appreciate that. Any more on my left side? I'm going here, the big center, center left, my left. Give me a wave if you're doing that. If you, come on, give me a wave. To my right, center right. If that's you, give me a wave. Thank you. Any others? Come on, give me a wave. My far right, over here. Give me a wave up in this side. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for these who have committed their lives to Christ today. And Lord, we do, we do believe that you are the Son of God, and we do believe that you have come to save us, forgive us of our sin, and that we would be with you, God, forever and ever, to live in the fullness of life. I pray your blessing on everyone that's here today. Meet every need, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Before you leave out of here, we would like to invite you, if you'd like to be a part of what we call learning to follow Jesus, you can come over here to see my brother, um, my brother, what's your name again? Uh, he's standing over here. I lost it. I lost it. I've, he's one of my elders. Anyhow, if you would like to be a part of that, if you would see him, you would be able to uh, get your name down and you would be able to be contacted in, in just a couple of weeks. God bless you. Have, your, have a great day.